wonderful to worship our Lord together today. You can go ahead and have a seat if you're here with us in person. If you're joining us online, thank you so much for spending some of your day with us. God's presence is here. He is moving, and he has a powerful word for us this morning. So we are going to dive in. We are in a new series called Overcome It. And last week, we heard a powerful word about anxiety. And I know many of us have faced that and struggle with some of that in our lives. And it was a powerful word just about how God has taken us on a journey and a process of discipleship and growth for our lives. And that we can follow him in that process through anxiety. And so it was a powerful word last week. If you missed it, you can watch it online. And so if we are a Christ follower and we are on this journey, we get to choose to either embrace the process or we can choose to not embrace it. And so God has called us to a mature life in Christ. He's called us to a mature life in Christ with him and then also with each other. It talks about this in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 11. It says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. So he desires us to become mature in Christ and mature in our relationships, in this process, in this journey with each other. And so I truly believe that he has more for us in our life and more for us in our relationships. And so would you pray for me as we seek the Lord in that today? God, we love you. We praise you and we worship you. We delight in you. We thank you for being God our Father. We thank you that we are your sons and daughters. And God, that you have set us free and we are free indeed. God, open our hearts to receive from you right now in this time of your, what your word has for us. God, may it be truth and life for us in this journey of becoming mature in Christ. We seek you in all things, God, and we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we get to dive into a day again in a series called Overcome It, and today we are going to be talking about overcoming codependency. Yes, I did say codependency. So we are diving into that today. When I said that word, some of you probably thought to yourself, oh yeah, I know, I know so many people in my life that struggle with that. Oh yeah, oh they need that. Yeah, that's, that's going to be good for them. Oh yeah, you know, my parents, they, they really struggled with that. I could see that, you know, or oh my friend, man, they have really have a hard time with that or, or my boss or my coworkers. I can really see that in their life. They really struggle with codependency, right? It's, it's all of these people around us. We can, we can really see it, right, in, in people around us. But, you know, I'm good. 
could. I, I don't have this issue. I mean, I, I would love to hear what you have to say, Pastor Nicole, but I, I don't really struggle with that. Right? Some of us are thinking that. Well, listen, I get it because I was one of those people. I was always thinking, oh, yeah, they, they have an issue with that. Oh, man, look at the dysfunction they are living in. So much dysfunction, so much codependency. Oh, I just, oh, that's too bad for them. I, you know, I'm not struggling with that. I was there. This was me. And I knew something was going on in my life, but I didn't know what it was. And so it's a whole, really easy for us to identify all these things in the people around us. But sometimes it's really hard to identify it in ourselves. And so one day, I finally realized something was wrong in my own life because I started breaking down. I started having what I call an emotional breakdown. And I felt like I hit a brick wall. And I knew I could not go on any longer the way that I was doing things. I knew something had to change, but I didn't know what it was. I wasn't quite sure, but all I knew was I felt the weight of the world on my shoulders. I felt responsible for everyone around me, and I actually felt responsible for everything going on around me. I felt like everything everyone did was they, they were doing it to me. So when they would do something and maybe it would hurt me or maybe you know it bothered me, I always thought they were doing it to me. I felt like I had to make everything right for everyone, especially when they were upset or they were struggling. I lived under this heap of guilt and shame, never feeling like I was enough for anyone. I never felt that I was ever gonna be enough for my husband. I never thought I would ever be able to make him happy. I never thought I would be a good enough wife or a good enough mom. I was scared to fail my kids. I was scared, scared to fail my husband. I was just scared to make a mistake or mess up of any kind. And I was constantly hurting. And I just felt so alone. I didn't know what I needed to do, but I knew something had to change. And so I went through this year-long process with a counselor where we unpacked my own dysfunction and my own codependency. And I remember sitting in my counselor's office, just looking at him one day, just tears streaming down my face. And I just remember saying this to him. I just said, I'm just so tired of hurting all the time. I just want it to stop. So maybe you can relate to some of those things I shared. Maybe you're feeling some of those things right now. The thing I had to come to realize was that it wasn't other people that was the problem. It was me. I had to change. And so after walking through this process and learning in depth about codependency and how that plays out in our life, 
I actually believe that every single person has some level of codependency in their life. Every single one of us. And so for the sake of clarity today, I'm going to give us a definition of codependency so we can all be on the same page together. And so codependency is a compulsion to control and rescue people by fixing their problems. Codependents feel responsible for everyone and everything. We feel like doing anything for ourselves is selfish. We may also feel that if anyone around us in our life is unhappy, it's our fault. We want to be loved and accepted so much, and we want to avoid conflict that we will do whatever it takes to make people happy. And so codependency has three core perceptions or behaviors, and then also three emotional results. These three core behaviors are a lack of objectivity, warped sense of responsibility, being controlled or controlling others, and then the emotional results are hurt and anger, guilt, and loneliness. And so if any of those hit a, hit a thread with you, then you may have some issues with this in your life. And so God made us for relationships. That's what we were created for. We were created for relationship with him and with other people. And so it's sometimes really hard to, to understand this because we're surrounded by relationships. And it's in relationships that we can experience great pain and trauma and emotional scars that can end up leading to us responding out of codependency. And so it's really difficult place to be. God created us for relationships. We were designed to be in them, but they are actually the place where we can experience the pain and trauma that leads to codependency. God's prescription for living healthy lives looks like this. A strong relationship with God and a strong relationship with emotionally healthy people. That's his prescription for our life. That's his design for us. That's his desire for us to live in these emotionally healthy relationships. In order for us to experience those things, a strong relationship with God and a strong relationship with others, God gave us our immediate family that we are surrounded with. And then he also gave us the body of Christ, which is our spiritual family. And so God's intent with our family is that it would reflect his nature to us. That was his desire with our immediate family. However, we know because we live through things like this, that a lot of times it's our immediate family that can fail us, that can hurt us, that can scar us. And so that is why he also gave us the body of Christ. And so that we can be surrounded by family that can reflect his nature to us. Because we as humans... We're going to fail. We're going to fail others, and others are going to fail us. 
that is a part of life because we at our core are sinful at our at our core and we are needy we need jesus desperately so we're going to fail each other we're not always going to get it right but i am so thankful that god alone is the source of forgiveness He's the source of life. He's the source of hope and of peace. That he has the answer and the way for us to overcome. He has the answer. And guess what? He also loves us too much to leave us the way we are. He loves us too much. He says, no, I've got I've got something more for you. It doesn't have to be like this. It doesn't have to be such a struggle. I've got more for you. He has the answer. Because when you've lived in dysfunction such as codependency, our relationship with God and our relationship with other healthy people are going to be key in our healing. And we're going to need God's truth to set us free. Just as it says in the book of John, chapter 8, verse 32, and then verse 36, it says, Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Jesus came to set us free. He came to give us new life and freedom. He didn't get, give us the freedom to just go and do whatever we want to do. He gave us freedom so that we could choose to follow him, so that we could choose to let him be in control in our lives. That's what he gave us the freedom for. Because God's desire for us is that we would live healthy and fulfilling lives. He does not want us stuck in our codependency. And so I'm gonna share with us a number of things that we can do in our lives to overcome through Jesus. And the first one is that we must admit we are powerless. We have to admit that we are powerless. To overcome any kind of addiction or stronghold in your life, the very first step is always to admit that you have a problem. You have to admit you have a problem in order to get to the healing. And so we, as codependents, have to admit that we are powerless. And so we're all gonna admit this together today. We're gonna say, I am powerless. You ready? I am powerless. That's the first thing. We have to admit we are powerless. And so trying to control things over which I am powerless is actually emotionally unhealthy. Attempting to control myself and others actually results in greater pain and greater chaos. The thing is, when things get chaotic and get out of control, what is our response to that? We actually try to control even harder. And then it gets more chaotic and more painful and we just grip even harder. That's our response. But that causes more pain and more 
chaos. It can look a number of different ways in our life. If you are a parent, you may end up trying to control your kids when they're a little out of hand or a little crazy or things aren't going great. You may actually even try to control them more or you may try to actually rescue them by not allowing them to have any failure. In our marriage, it can look like us controlling our spouse by preventing them from spending money or preventing them from being with friends or trying to control what they're doing or how they're doing it or anything that, that they're trying to be involved with. We can also try to be controlling with our spouse by withholding intimacy, by withholding affection, holding words of affirmation, encouragement, to try to manipulate and control. We can, we can do, end up doing this in our workplace as well. We may end up trying to control our boss or our colleagues based on what we want for ourselves. We can actually maybe try to control what projects they're on, maybe control their exposure to opportunity. Maybe we give a bad review or we prevent a promotion because we don't want them going to a different position because of how it will affect us. We could do this with our friends in our life by making them feel bad for bettering themselves or maybe trying to prevent our friend from spending time with any of their other friends. The line between healthy and controlling behavior sometimes is not always easy to draw because what can be healthy for one person can become destructive for another. Take, for instance, exercise. That's a good thing. We should be doing that. We should be getting healthy. But for one person, that might be okay. But for someone who ends up being compulsive and does that compulsively, it can actually be harmful. And so this plays out a number of different ways in our lives through control and rescue. Rescuing actually occurs when we take on responsibility that properly belongs to someone else. When we rescue, we hurt ourselves and we keep others who we're rescuing from growing up. Rescuing others gives us importance and approval, or so we hope it does. When we do this, we're actually trying to be God to the people whose lives we are attempting to run. And so we put ourselves in God's place. We do this in hopes to gain self-esteem, but attempting to gain self-esteem from any place other than God is actually idolatrous. It's idolatrous. And so this may look like in our life, maybe we continue to give a friend or family member money even though they are making no effort of their own. For others, maybe making excuses for someone who's struggling with an addiction. For us as parents, never letting our kids fail. Just constantly rescuing them in every moment and making sure their life is completely perfect, which is not reality. See, God is the only one who can meet all of our needs. He's the only one that we should be looking to to meet all of our needs. 
Because when we either control or rescue to gain self-worth or manipulate someone in our life to get what we need, or we put expectations on someone else to meet all of our needs, that is idolatry. It talks about and encourages us in the book of Galatians, chapter 6, starting in verse 4, it says, Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Each one of us is only responsible for ourselves. God did not put us in charge of everyone and everything around us. He didn't do that. We're responsible for ourselves. And when we put other people in that place to meet our needs or, or we're, we're trying to meet other people's needs, that ends up being idolatry. And we're either trying to take God's place or we're looking to other people as God instead of him. And that is not how he designed it. And so for us, breaking free from codependency hinges on us admitting that we are powerless. Admitting that we are powerless means we recognize that there's limits to our power. Unless, of course, you're a superhero and you've got some sort of superpower you know, maybe you got some special superpower. Maybe some of you came in with a cape today. In that case, of course, we don't want you to limit your power, right? If you're a superhero, you, you got to have that power. But I highly doubt that. So we as humans live with limited power. We have limited power. And so admitting that doesn't make us weak. It actually makes us emotionally healthy. It talks about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 9. It says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. We are not all powerful. But God is. God is all powerful. And so we want his power in our lives, not our own we don't want to be relying on our power. It's in our weakness that we become strong. And so let's allow God to be strong. Let's allow God to do his job. Controlling and rescuing others ends up hurting us and everyone around us. And so we have to admit that we are powerless and let God be in control. The second thing that we need to do is we need to renew our minds. It tells us in the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Overcoming dependency is a spiritual 
battle. It is spiritual warfare because we have picked up lies over our life and they have taken root. And then the enemy uses the pain and the trauma that we've been through in our life and in our relationships and he, he uses that to keep us in bondage. And so when we look at the issues that we have in our lives and in our relationships, most oftentimes it has nothing to do with the current situation or the person that we're dealing with. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with the fact that a past pain or trauma has been triggered. And it's at this very moment where the spiritual warfare comes in. Because we can either choose to allow the pain and the trauma affect how we're going to deal with our relationship and in that moment, right? Or we can choose to identify the lie and overcome that lie with God's truth and God's word. That's at the very moment of spiritual warfare. But part of the problem with codependency is that we can lack lack objectivity. And so it's hard for us to see something clearly and through the lens of truth. A lack of objectivity can be when we think that we are the reason others do what they do. And we allow our pain and our trauma to be triggered. And then our responses come out of that. That can happen very easily. And so if you're constantly thinking that everyone is out to get you and everyone is scheming and planning against you or that they're hurting you on purpose, you actually may have a problem with objectivity. And so I struggled with this. Man, I struggled with this greatly. And I'm telling you, I, I went through some things in my life growing up and they... They became a trauma for me. And I I picked that up and I picked the lies up with that in that moment and and I carried it through my life. And so when I got married, I brought that into my marriage. And so things that were happening in my marriage and and things that my husband was doing, I, I was always thinking, why is he doing that to me? Why is he hurting me like that? Everything he's doing is hurting me. Anyone else? And, and I, I just thought he was, he was hurting me. But it was actually a past trauma that was getting triggered by him. It had nothing to do with him. It had everything to do with a past pain and trauma. And so I wasn't equipped to fight that battle. I wasn't equipped to overcome But when I started on my journey and my process of healing, I started seeing things more clearly. I started understanding that process and what was happening. And so one time, my husband's family was all in town visiting. They're all from out of town, so they were in town visiting. They were over at his mom's house, and we were going to go over there for dinner, all of us together. And so we had a time that we were going to head out and go over there, and he kind of popped his head in the room and was like, hey, my mom called, she needs some help. I'm gonna head out, see ya, I'll see you over there, bye. And he left and nobody else was in the house and so I felt left. I felt abandoned. 
and I felt all alone. And I started thinking to myself, why would he just leave me here by myself? He wants me to just be all alone. He's left me. And it started triggering my abandonment issues that I got when I was younger. And it started triggering that. And I started getting worked up. And I started getting upset. And I started crying. And I started getting mad. Why would he do that to me? And I was able to stop in the process and see things objectively and go, wait a minute. He didn't do this to me. He's going over to help his mom get dinner ready for the family. I'm just finishing getting ready, and then I'm going to go over there and join everybody, and we're going to have a great dinner together. He didn't do this to me on purpose. He's not leaving me. I'm not abandoned. He loves me. I was able to start processing objectively through the whole thing, and I was able to overcome the lie. And that's what it looks like in our day-to-day -day life. That is a spiritual battle. It is overcoming that lie that, that came from that pain and trauma with the actual truth. And that's how we live it out in our life so that we can overcome and have victory. We have to be able to see things objectively and decipher the truth. And so it's the truth of God's word along with the Holy Spirit and the loving support of the people of God that's going to enable us to be freed from the bondage of codependency. This is a battle we must fight to overcome. And so we can believe that God's desire for us is for health, and we can achieve that through Jesus. We can choose to turn our will and our way over to God and allow the truth of his word to be in our minds and that we live that out. The third thing that we're going to need to do is be willing to change. We have to be willing to change. When you know better, you can choose to do better. And we get to do that. We get to be willing to do that because we don't get different results by doing the same thing. In fact, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over, but expecting different results. That's actually insanity. And so we have to be willing to do something different. If we want something different, we have to be willing to do something different. We have to be willing to change. We have to be willing to be in complete abandon to God and allow him to mold us and shape us into who he created us to be. We allow him to be in control of our lives, not us. That is not his desire for us. When we take control, when we try to rescue others, it leads us to greater pain and chaos. When we allow God to be in control, he can do what he wants to do in and through us. So do I believe that we are going to have to make adjustments in our behaviors, in our thoughts, in our actions? I absolutely believe that. There are things that we are going to have to do. In fact, I believe that many of us 
are going to need to spend time with a professional counselor and unpack the things that are going on in us, those pain and, and the trauma that's been marked in our lives at some point. We're going to have to work through that. So there's going to be things that we are going to have to do to be willing to change. But at the end of the day, it's about our surrender to God. And at the end of the day, it is us trusting God to be in control. It's us believing that he is all-powerful and we are powerless. God is always after our hearts in complete obedience. He wants our hearts. He wants us to let go and let him be God. Because his ways are better than ours. His ways are way better than ours. So we've got to submit to this process of maturing in Christ. It's a beautiful passage in the book of Jeremiah that I believe gives us an incredible picture of what this looks like for us. So I want to take a look at that as we close in, in the book of Jeremiah chapter 18. Starting in verse 4, it says, But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So this is a, a lump of clay. And it says in that passage that it was marred in his hands. And so when I was struggling in my life, I was exactly like this lump of clay. I was a mess. I was marred, I was misshaped, you know, I didn't, I didn't have any shape, I felt so lost, I felt so lonely, there was so much pain, I was this formless lump of clay, and, and I didn't know what to do. Going on in this passage, it says, so the potter formed it into another pot shaping it as seemed best to him. And so I decided, I decided to let the potter begin to shape me and mold me. My misformed lump, and it wasn't easy. It was painful, and it took a long time. It was a long process and a long journey but I embraced it. I chose to embrace it. And God molded me and shaped me into the vessel that he had for me to be, a beautiful vessel. He shaped me and I embraced the process. But notice these marks on the jar. It's my pain, my trauma, all the scars I experienced in life, they're still there. But he molded me into a beautiful vessel despite all of those marks, despite the trauma, despite the scars. If we can embrace the molding, we can become the vessel that he has for us. Going on in that passage, Verse 5 says, Then the word of the Lord came to me. He said, Can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter does, declares the Lord? 
like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, Israel. The job of making the desired object is in the potter's hands, not the clay's. The clay's one job is to stay in the potter's hands. That's the clay's job. But many of us, we want to remove ourselves from his hands because it can be a painful process of being molded. But the clay's one job is to stay in the potter's hands. And so I want to ask you today, Will you be willing to stay in the potter's hands as he molds you and shapes you? It can be a hard process, but I believe with God's strength, with his strength, with the support of those around us, the body of Christ, we can embrace the process. So would you stand with me as we close today? I believe many of us need to embrace this process today. So I, I believe God wants to do a work in each and every heart, in each and every life today. And so let's pray to him as we close. Lord, we love you. We praise you and we worship you. God, we thank you so much for being God our Father, for loving us, at your sons and your daughters, God, and that you love us too much to leave us the way that we are. God, some of us today, we are this misformed lump of clay. God, we feel lost, we feel alone, we're hurting, we're trying to take control of our lives, God, we're trying to rescue everyone around us, and the weight of the world is on our shoulders. And God, you never intended us for care, to carry that kind of burden. That was never your intention. In fact, in your word, it says that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. So if we're carrying a heavy burden, God, we have put that on ourselves. So God, we need to take that off and lay that at your feet today. Because God, I truly believe what it says in, in your word and in the book of Philippians chapter one, it says that you who began a good work will be faithful to complete that work until the day of Christ. And God, we believe it. You're doing a good work. You've begun a good work. And so, God, we as the clay are going to choose to stay in your hands, to be molded, to be shaped into who you have us to be, that we may be a vessel for you, God, and that we may live in a strong and healthy relationship with you and a strong and healthy relationship with those around us. So, God, we thank you so much for what you want to do in our lives today. God, I thank you that we can overcome codependency through your strength, and your power, not ours. So we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.